Hello, and welcome to Women With Books. I'm your host, author, Lindsay Emery. I'm so excited to share this week's guest with you. I adored Chanel Clayton's book, Next Year in Havana, and it was a special thrill when I heard that Reese Witherspoon picked it to be part of her book club. All you book lovers out there will recognize that feeling, right? When you learn that other people love the same book as you, there's just this joyful connection, a recognition that we sort of subconsciously shared an experience, like we're psychic or something. Um, Because books can be so singular, we're alone when we read them, right? We, no one else can see what we see in our head. No one else can hear what we hear when we read a book. And when you find someone who also felt what you felt, there's this beautiful moment of somehow your experience being validated. But yet, if I love a book and no one else I know does, that doesn't take away my joy either, does it? I mean, I, I can go my the rest of my life and know that no one else loves something, this book that I read, and I'll be okay. It'll still be this special treasured memory for me. Which is why books are so special to me. One way or another, they can belong to each of us in a totally unique way that no one can ever take from us. But, okay, (laughs) enough of my deep thoughts. Let me just do my other stuff. (laughs) Just a quick reminder that my book, uh, The Royal Runaway, is coming out in one month on October 9th, 2018. I can't believe it's it's almost here. I'm um, thrilled and anxious and excited and sick of it <laughs> and all these feelings um and and I want you to know that it's it's a huge deal for an author but we never know quite how to process it so um but anyway if you have heard about this book if you've read about this book if you've heard me talking about this book and you're like yeah I'd like to read it but I would really love a signed paperback I have a special treat for you. You can order a signed paperback from Murder by the Book, which is a wonderful, fantastic, independent bookstore in Houston. I will be there the week of the release, and I will be able to sign whatever books were ordered through them, and then they'll ship it to you. So if you can wait an extra few days um, and you want to support an independent bookstore, consider ordering the Royal Runaway through Murder by the Book. And I will put that link to order that in the show notes because, um, yeah, because you like books and you like to support bookstores. So win-win. And now, you know what? On to today's episode with Chanel Clayton. Welcome to Chanel Clayton. And am I saying that correct? You are, yes. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. I... I am so excited to talk to you because, as I think I told you in the email, I loved uh, Next Year in Havana. Oh, I, thank you. I, it's been one of my top books of the year that I keep thinking about, that I keep um, recommending to other people. And so when um, it came time for me to come up with guests for season three of the podcast, I mean, you were right up there. So um, thank you so much for being here today. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm really thrilled to be here. So how do you introduce yourself now to people? Like what kind of books do you say you write? 
Um, right now, I usually say historical fiction because um, my next three books are all historical, and I feel like that's kind of the easiest um, way to describe them. Um, but then, of course, I used to write romance before that as well. Right. And I'm, we're going to get into all of that. I find it really fascinating. But um, because your cover is you know, obviously historical, but also extremely feminine and pretty. So, you know, I think there's this like weird thing in the genre right now where the historical, the women authors have kind of taken over a lot of historical fiction. So I, mm-hmm. I didn't know like how you were, um, how you were uh, explaining that to people. <laughs> or if it really needs to be explained. <laughs> I mean, I definitely, there's definitely a crossover with women's fiction and you know, I, I don't love that term. I, for marketing purposes, I understand why publishers use it, but it always kind of sounds a little bit weird to me. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's definitely that kind of book club read that, you know, appeals to, um, you know, a lot of different audiences, but we are seeing a huge resurgence of female-centered stories um, in historical fiction, which is wonderful. Okay, so I won't try and tell people about the book because I think I've already tried to do it before. So why don't you tell us about Next Year in Havana and how you got the idea to write it? Okay, well, it's really kind of was inspired by a story that my father told me. Um, My family's Cuban. My dad and my grandparents and kind of everyone on that side of the family came over after the Cuban Revolution in 1959. Uh, My dad and my grandparents actually came over in 67. And so I really grew up with Cuba being just this huge part of my life. Um, You know, my family spoke Spanish at home. My grandparents lived with us. And they always told these just amazing stories about their life in Cuba. And one of the stories that I actually didn't hear growing up that I heard recently um, was one of the nights right before they left. You couldn't really take anything with you um, on the flights. And so you had like a suitcase and they confiscated any valuables at the airport So my family, like the middle of the night, everyone went over to my grandparents' house and they buried this box in the backyard of their valuables. And it was a pretty common practice. Um, But, you know, when my dad told me the story, it just sparked such an interest in me, especially as a writer. And it really got me thinking about if you had a box and you were leaving your home and you couldn't take your most valuable possessions with you, what would you save for the day that you could return? And that was really just the the spark that really lit um, my interest in writing Next Year in Havana. And it's a dual timeline story. So I really wanted to connect like my grandmother's generation and the generation that lived through the revolution with my generation and how we've sort of connected to Cuba um, with the distance that you have and when you just really have your family's stories to go on. So it's told from the perspective of a grandmother living on the cusp of revolution and then her granddaughter who goes back to Havana because her grandmother's passed away and she wants to spread her ashes. And in the course of that, she finds out that there was this box that was buried and kind of unravels this mystery within her family. Hearing you talk about, you know, what would you bury in a box if you had to leave your country? I mean, seriously, I just teared up and got cold chills all over my body. So I can't even imagine what it was like for you when you, you know, this is something so intimate in your family. Um, Do, I mean, I don't know how to say, I mean, I'm assuming your family obviously knows you you, you wrote the book. What did they have to say about it? Um, They were really supportive. It's been really wonderful. Um, I definitely utilized my father and my grandfather a lot for help with the book. Um, Just because I really wanted to capture the sentiment of um, my grandfather's memories of Cuba, especially in the historical timeline. 
So that was incredibly helpful. And then, you know, it's been nice just being able to share the book with my extended family. Uh, My grandmother came from a large family of siblings. And so I have, you know, second cousins that I'm not necessarily in touch with, you know, we're spread out across the country, but they've been messaging me because they're reading the book and I've been able to share family photos and everyone loves seeing their grandmother in the photos. So it's been a really nice experience to kind of be able to share that with my family and definitely other Cubans whose, you know, families had similar experiences and have written me saying that they identified with the book. Oh, that's so wonderful. Fresh round of cold chills right here. I was just wondering, because I think that you did write a a story that would be, you know, almost universal for everyone who left Cuba at that time or in, you know, it was actually, didn't they leave? I mean, weren't people leaving for like 10 years? I mean, weren't there various waves of people? Yes. Yeah, Yeah, there definitely were a lot. Um, And honestly, my grandparents leaving in 67 of their family and kind of friend group, they were one of the last ones to leave, which was really helpful for them because when they came, they had this huge network of people that were really supportive and kind of helped them acclimate to life in the U.S. Um, But yeah, I mean, you definitely see different patterns of immigration um, really from, you know, 59 and even a little bit before when the country was just immersed in violence. And then up till present day, you know, there've definitely been different periods, um, where you've seen large movements out of the country. And was your father born there or was he? He was. So he left when he was eight um, and came here. So he has, you know, a decent amount of memories. And it was actually kind of fun, I think, for him helping me with the book to kind of relive some of his childhood memories because he did spend, you know, a fair amount of time there to, to have a connection to the island. Oh, that's wonderful. Did he help you do research or did you do all the research? On your Um, own? (laughs) Most of it I did on my own, I will say. I'm trying to think if they kind of, I think sometimes I would ask them if there was a place to go or for clarification on something. Because, you know, often with research, it's so hard to get like the broad picture. And I think my family was really helpful with giving me that. And then I could start going into the nuances of the different issues myself, but I at least knew what to look for. Um, And I'm, my background's in political science. So for me, it was really nice to kind of return back to my academic roots and to get to spend some time researching some of the different issues that were going on around the revolution. Okay, so we have a lot of things in common here because, (laughs) um, and it's one of the things I was thinking about as I was preparing for this interview. So I was a Latin American studies slash political science major. Okay. And um, I didn't learn that much about Cuba until maybe my senior year and had this great professor who I took a class. I mean, it was a class specifically about Cuban history. And it kind of shocked me at that time because I'm like, here I've spent four years learning about, you know, colonization, Latin America, political systems, you know, studying Spanish. And I didn't feel like Cuban um, scholarship was as important or as you know forefront as it could have been and I think there Mm -hmm. were probably several reasons for that one is it's fairly recent history and a lot of times they like to make sure you only know about (laughs) stuff that happened long time ago but um also I wonder like do you feel like there's been a filter of this information because of our political situation between Cuba and the United States you know, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm not really sure. I think that's definitely a good point. Um, 
I do think U.S. involvement in Cuba is to some degree very similar to U.S. involvement in a lot of other countries in Latin America um, that you're right. You do hear more about um, like Guatemala. I feel like, you know, I I took a couple Latin American classes as well. And like we would study a lot more about um, the U.S. in Nicaragua or the U.S. in Guatemala and a little bit less about the U.S. in Cuba. Um, And, you know, maybe some of it is because of the embargo, but it is definitely, I think, an area that people are not as familiar with, especially given, you know, ironic given the close proximity to the U.S. and also the recency of the history. So I think that was one of the nice things about writing this book was I felt like it was a subject that people were interested in because they hadn't heard a lot about it. Yeah, I mean, it's and I don't want to get too political here, I mean, obviously, but, you know, learning about, you know, the Peter Pan flights and Mm -hmm. things like that. And then, with all the issues that are coming up right now with immigration, I just want to like mm-hmm. get on CNN and scream at people like <laughs> 40 years ago, we did this and now we're doing this. And, you know, I think it's time for us to really look at what has changed. I mean, not even like taking one side or another, but why did we willingly take in huge um, planefuls of mm-hmm. children? <laughs> um, was that in the, that was in the sixties, right? Yeah, I think the program, I just, because my next book's set in the 60s, and I, I think it started in maybe 60 or 61. I can't remember. I think 61 maybe is when it started. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was very early 60s. But anyway, I'm, I'm geeking out too much. But that, no. I'm just, I, I mean, I was, was going to tell you. I mean, obviously, your book has made me think. And um, just I think it's so important for us to learn this history that wasn't even 100 years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, that people in our neighbors, families like yours are still living through this kind of, um, you know, making sense of these, these situations that happen. So Mm -hmm. anyway, so good job with that. Oh, thank you. (laughs) And I also loved, um, in your book, again, this is another geek out point, but your continued usage of Ojalá. Oh, yes. Which I think, I think just any person who speaks Spanish is like, like oh that's kind of a a thing you know I don't think Mm -hmm. you know it unless you are kind of more familiar with the language but um I've I've been using it more and more and people are like I don't get it I'm like (laughs) (laughs) because it's so authentic and true Mm -hmm. so with the current climate with Cuba I mean I'm sure you I think you've been asked this several times but are you would you go back would your family go back to visit um, that is another thing that actually sparked me writing this book. Um, in the summer of 2016, when relations were kind of opening up under President Obama, we planned a family reunion in Cuba. Um, like I said earlier, my grandmother had a big extended family. So there are about 60 something of us that do family reunions every few years. And we were in you know, contact with a group and we had everything kind of planned out and deposits were about to be paid. Um, and my grandfather, who is 95, got very upset um, about the trip and kind of (laughs) single-handedly squashed us going. Um, And he just felt really strongly about, I think, first off, he didn't want to go back and see it um, sort of at the end of his life and have that be the image, um, Mm. you know, that he carried with him. Because obviously, you know, he always just felt so passionately about um, exile and about being away. And then, you know, he really felt strongly about the family supporting the regime by going. And I think it's a really complex issue, you know, not having lived through the events of the revolution myself, 
you know, obviously I have a different perspective on it because I have some more distance than someone who was, you know, that directly affected. Um, but we just kind of decided out of respect for him that we wouldn't go, you know, while it was in this condition and while he felt this way and in his lifetime, because we just didn't want it to be something that hurt him. Um, I do have family that has gone back and they were really helpful. Um, and we have friends that have gone back. And, you know, I think it's really just a personal issue. I, I don't, have a strong opinion either way. You know, I don't really think it's, you know, my place certainly to say whether or not people should be going back. Um, it was just like a personal decision, you know, we made. So I, I would love to go. It's really like number one on my bucket list. Um, and I would really love to go with my dad. So it's just kind of waiting for the time that feels, I guess, respectful and appropriate. I thought your book did a great job discussing all that because the the modern protagonist, she is a person who's returning to Cuba and she has a very good reason to do it mm-hmm. <laughs> but um she really did a great job kind of battling all those debates inside herself and I think you showed um kind of what it would look like from the other side of it to be a Cuban and to start seeing all these Americans flood in mm-hmm. um could be problematic <laughs> I don't know what that word uh, difficult um I think it's complex for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, obviously tourism dollars are very important to the economy. And I think you see that in a lot of countries. But at the same time, it kind of feels a little bit like colonization um, Mm -hmm. in a different way. So it it is a complex issue for sure. Or what do they call it? Like savior tourism or something? Yeah, there's a lot of different... you know, and I think it depends on why you go and, and the way it's handled. And I, you know, I understand why people want to go. I think travel is always such a great way to learn more about other cultures and to kind of change your own worldview. Um, I think for me personally, just because of my family's history with Cuba, it's like a little bit of a more difficult issue. Sure. Well, um, as soon as I finished next year in Havana, I was freaking out because y'all I think there was a slight was there a sample in it there was when yes. we left cuba yes. oh my gosh and i was it was one of those moments where i was so mad because i didn't have that book right then Aww. um but then you have just a few weeks ago or i don't know time is a blur this summer um yes. but you just revealed the cover for when we left cuba and did you freak out because you have gotten another gorgeous cover. I did. I have been so spoiled by the Berkeley Art Department. Um, They've just really done these amazing covers. And I love like seeing the two side by side and just the color contrast. It's it's absolutely perfect. And I love her pose um, that she's kind of looking back and you see the palm trees because when we left Cuba, there is definitely that sense of um, longing. And so I really felt like the cover captured that. Oh, I cannot wait. When do uh, early copies of that go out to people? I Hopefully soon. I know. <laughs> I've, I've gotten a lot of messages, I will say, and I'm, I'm very hopeful they'll be ready soon. Because um, I need to have my uh, browser open and oh. my finger <laughs> ready. <laughs> Oh, well, I'm sure. No pressure. No pressure. No, no, no. I'll do lots of giveaways. I mean, I always love like, that's one of my favorite things is when you first get to share a book with readers. Um, So yeah, I'm definitely I'm as eager as you all are to see what everyone thinks of her story. I can't wait. Um, But oh, yeah. The other thing I wanted to say is uh, congratulations. You have made a USA Today bestseller list again. Thank you. uh, This is like three weeks now. Thank you. Right? In a row? 
Yeah, it's and, been really exciting. So, And I think this, I don't know. It's all because of the book, of course. But you had um, a I had a very good gift. Box. Yes, yes. <laughs> so you were, I don't know, what's the word? Named? Honored? Um, I think just p- picked is probably, <laughs> yeah. I think she... To Reese Witherspoon's book club. Congratulations. Yes. Thank you. And again, when I saw this, I just screamed because it's always so lovely when you've read the book and you love it. And then you're like, yes, it gets, it gets all the pretty stickers on it and everything. Um, so it's so huge. Tell me about it. Did sh- Do you get a call? Do you get like... Someone um, visiting you at your door? <laughs> no, um, I got an email from uh, my publisher, and it was definitely one of those moments, like, you know, it was not at all on my radar. I don't think it was really on anyone's radar, you know, working on the book. And we just found out about it. Um, and it's it's been amazing. You know, she really is doing a lot to advocate for authors and really highlighting a lot of different titles. And, you know, in, in this industry, like, something like that is just such a huge opportunity and it's it's really just been incredible I I still feel like it's been a big dream you know July just kind of whirled by um but it's been really great I can't even imagine I think I have gotten that impression with you I mean you've been completely lovely and professional in your emails but we were you were like sure whatever what's going on (laughs) yeah it's been all of a sudden you get a lot more like requests and things and um I'm on deadline right now. I'll just be totally honest for a book. It's, um, we pushed it back a little bit because we've had like some changes with some of my publication dates, but I've been like, so just head down in that book. And so it's been kind of weird to be like two books out on what I'm writing, but then I'm still doing a lot of promo for Havana. And then when we left Cuba's over here. So I'm, I'm a little bit disjointed right now, um, but in a perfectly wonderful way. So. Yeah. Oh, I can see that because I don't know about you but I'm an author that once the book is released I mean there's a certain like door that closes in Mm -hmm. my mind about it it's like okay I wrote it I edited it I promoted it and now it's released and I just have to like move on you know Mm -hmm. I can't like continue the the baby's been shoved out of the nest and (laughs) I can't keep doing this anymore um but I can see that six months seven months later when Reese Witherspoon comes calling (laughs) (laughs) that it kind of gives you another um like okay what's going on now and what are my priorities and but your priorities are definitely to write the next book oh (laughs) yes I'm in and I'm I'm on the down stretch so it's like almost almost there but yeah is this going to be another book about Cuba do we have a scoop Um, here I'm trying to think how much I can say it's not so there will be a Perez family member who shows up in the book, um, but it's set in a different time period. So it's not going to be someone you've met before, but she is connected to the family. And there are three heroines, um, which is challenging, I will say. Mm. Um, and it's set it's set in the Florida area, I will say. Um, so, yeah, it's it's been fun to write. Um, it's definitely, I think, one of my more ambitious books, um, probably because of the three heroines and some of the situations in the book, but it's been, it's been really enjoyable to work on. Oh, that does sound fun yet complex. So yes. What's the, what's the publication date on that? That will be 2020. Um, so it's still kind of far out and I'll probably start sharing more about it um, next year. Like once we are a little closer to when we left Cuba, you know, I'll release a little bit more about the topic and stuff. Um, but it'll probably, I would think it would be out about a year after when we left Cuba. 
You know, I say, oh, that's so far out, but it seems like all of the uh, publishing news that's been coming out lately yes. <laughs> releases in 2020, and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's gonna, that's the next thing. We got to start planning our 2020s. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if readers realize that we do, I mean, these things take two, three years <laughs> yes. to come into place. And so that's probably why we'd close the door on them when we get them out. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> So you briefly mentioned it uh, earlier, but you did move from contemporary romance into historical fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, do you see that as two different genres or do you feel like you've just always kind of been telling the same stories or or how do you feel about that? You know, I think that all of my books um, always have a personal connection to me. Like anytime I tell my family what I'm working on, they always kind of laugh because like my first series was set in an international university in London, which is where I did my undergrad. Um, obviously, the one is fictional in the book, but I had that experience. Um, and then I have like a political series, which is kind of my academic background, and then a fighter pilot series because I'm married to a fighter pilot. Um, and then I did Cuba because I'm Cuban. Um, so I do feel like I always have a really deep personal connection to my books. Um you know, it is definitely a little bit different um, working on the historical fiction just in terms of the amount of research that goes into it. Um, and I think the scope of the novel novel is a little bit more challenging at times. Um, but I always like put a romance in my books because to me, I love that love story. Like I, I don't think I would ever write a book that didn't have that central love story. Um, Cause really, I don't know, as a reader, that's what I enjoy, you know, the human side of whatever the subject matter is. Um, I loved writing romance and I definitely am still a big romance reader. Um, But it was one of those things where I think this idea came to me and I knew it needed to kind of be a little different in terms of the dual timeline and wanting to have um, the focus be a little bit more on the women and their relationship. I was really close to my grandmother and so I really wanted to kind of bring that out and have that be a little bit more of the focus and still have those love stories, um, but tell the story just a little bit differently. Uh, how long have you been writing? Um, I have to think about that now. <laughs> I think I would say really like seriously writing probably about seven years. Um, for a few years before that, I kind of played around, but I wasn't like particularly disciplined or anything. Um, but I think about seven years of really like having a goal of publication and working toward it. And then here you are, Reese Witherspoon's book club. <laughs> Only took seven years. Yeah. <laughs> um, was there a book that made you into a writer? Like, was there something that flipped that switch seven years ago and, and made you go, oh, I could do that or I could do that better? <laughs> um, honestly, it was more my lifestyle. Um, so I, I mentioned my husband's in the military and we move a lot and – all the other jobs I did were not flexible to frequent movements and living in, you know, places where sometimes it was difficult to work in the industries I was working in. And I just always loved to read. Um, I've always loved books. And honestly, it wasn't really something I thought of doing until then. But I started kind of looking at, you know, how amazing would this be to get to work with books all day. Um, And just started playing around. And ironically, my first book was a historical romance. Um, I never sold it or anything. Um, so it kind of melded the two, the two things that you see now. Um, and then from there, I just started writing in different genres. Isn't that funny? I've had this conversation kind of spontaneously. I haven't been bringing it up, but it keeps coming up with different author friends of mine. And how 
so often whatever we start with we end up coming back to in mm-hmm. some way. I mean, we we start us we start with something that's kind of we're passionate about or that just feels natural to us and then publishing kind of pushes us, oh, that's not in style, no one's buying that. We get pushed into different directions and then at some point like our heart just keeps like pulling us back. Like kind of like Cuba. I don't know. That was awful. Sorry. No, <laughs> no. I, I mean I think you're absolutely right. Um I will say with my historical romance it was not very good. So I, I don't blame publishing. Um <laughs> I love like I love a Regency romance, but I had like nothing new to add to it. So I wrote like, you know, the book that everyone else is writing much better than I was. And so I was like, I'll just stick to reading Regency romances since I love them so much, but probably not my not my forte. <laughs> I love them too. So actually, we'll use that to segue into the next section, which I will call Chanel Cleeton's Book Club. Okay, I love that. <laughs> that sounds very fun. I know. We'll, we'll get you official stickers. I'll be honest, I have my Goodreads pulled up because I have the worst memory. And so it's I have okay. to remember what I'm reading and what I've read. And Yeah, well, what's your like Regency recommendations if someone was like, oh, I want a good historical romance today? Um, so I mean, are we going like old school or new? Because I can do whatever so old school I love Judith McNaught she's probably one of those um authors when you ask like who was influential on uh, your writing career I mean I think I was reading her when I was like 11 and I've now just the historicals or her contemporaries oh but any basically anything she writes I'm I'm absolutely love um and I've reread them I don't even know how many times but she's always a favorite sorry to interrupt but I will just agree with that because I read um oh what was that book of hers um, not perfect. The other paradise. One. Paradise. Yes. I yes. reread that like every year for about mm-hmm. ten years during my twenties. It was just like my perfect comfort read. But anyway, go ahead. No, that's that is my one of my all time favorites of hers too. That book is amazing, um, and I love. You know, I love some of the old school romances because I love that they were so epic in their scope. You know, you really got to follow the characters like through their lives for this long time period and like see them grow up together and fall in and out of love. And it was just, oh, it was amazing. And sometimes they got married to other people and had four other husbands. (laughs) And, you know, I always kind of joke about, not joke, I mean, they're I make comments about like a Daniel Steele, the the heroine of those books always has like three starter husbands before she, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which I don't think would be allowed for anyone else except for Daniel Steele at this point. Yeah, it's it's funny how the conventions definitely have kind of changed over time, and you can look at a book and be like, okay, this was published in the eighties, this was published in the nineties, you know, just based off of like the way it's the format of the plot for sure. Um, but yeah, she's one of my favorite old school reads. Um, new school, I just read, not really new school, she's been writing for a while, but um, Sarah McLean's latest, I just read that one, Wicked and the Wallflower, and I really loved that. Um, I just, I, I love all of her books, and I, I'm a big Peaky Blinders fan, and I could definitely see, like, I know she's talked about that before, like, on her Twitter, and I could see the influences in the book, and I was here for it. It was it was amazing. Um so yeah, those have kind of been my favorite. I loved Loretta Chase's latest on the historical romance front. Um, I can't remember the title right now, but A Duke in Shining Armor, I think, was the one. Um, that one was really good as well. What about contemporary romances? What are you loving lately? Um, I am trying to think. I have not been reading as much contemporary romance lately. I think just because I've been in, in such a historical mindset. 
Um, but I love Lucy Parker's books and I have her latest on um, my Kindle. I just haven't had a chance to read it yet, but she's been really great. Um, I, I think I go through phases like I'm very much a mood reader. So I'll go through a phase where like for a month I'll just read suspense and then like the next month it's just historical fiction and then it's romance. Like I definitely go through phases where I'll just binge a genre um, and then go to something completely different. So what's your binge reads this summer? Um, right now I'm reading Beatrice Williams's The Summer Wives, which she's one of my absolute favorite authors. Um, and this is her latest one. So I'm really excited. I'm about 30% in, but I'm really enjoying it. And then I'm also reading uh, Tangerine. And I have to look at the author again on that one. But um, it's it's really good. It's set in Morocco. And it has this like very noir vibe to it that I'm really enjoying. Is that historical fiction? It is. Or? It's Christine Mangans, the author. Um, and there's definitely, like, I'm still kind of early into it, but I can tell we're building to a, a suspenseful part of it. So I think it's going to have a, a healthy dose of mystery um, and intrigue, which I always love. That sounds really good. You know, I think I've kind of, what's the word? I've been picking up more of these historical fiction slash women's fiction, whatever we're calling it these days. Mm -hmm. I've been picking up more of them because they go to places and time periods that I haven't been able to find in historical romance. Mm -hmm. um, because that will be my first love. But, And I grew up, like you said, I grew up reading historical romances that were set in other uh, time periods, you know, American Revolution, whatever. Mm -hmm. but it just doesn't seem like they have that as much anymore. And I can get those feelings of adventure and um, exploration and this other, whatever we're calling it, genre. <laughs> yes. No, I mean, I, I definitely think that's true. Like, I don't think I would have been able to sell Havana as a historical romance, um, just because I don't think the market, you know, would have been interested in it. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that it is definitely you see certain time periods, certain settings being really popular um, and publishing, obviously, is just very cyclical. So it kind of responds to that. Um, and I do. I always love a Regency. I lived in London for four years. So anytime I'm back in London in my books, I'm, I'm thrilled. Oh, that's probably why you like Lucy Parker. Yes, yes. I think that is well. I, I, it's, it, that's very true. I mean, when I think about a lot of my favorite books, they're usually set, you know, somewhere that I've lived or that I love to visit. Very London-y. So what's something you've been recommending a lot lately? I'm trying to think recommending a lot. Um, well, on the suspense front, I always recommend Tana French. I absolutely love her. She writes these amazing um, Dublin set mysteries. And they're just like her writing. I mean, I, I read her books and I'm just completely in awe of her prose. Um, and the mysteries are just always like so engrossing. So I really like her stuff. Um, I love Reese Bowen. I read her a lot. Her newest is out this month. And I actually got to read an arc, which was amazing. Um, she writes a lot of historical fiction with a really like healthy dose of mystery. And they're very like atmospheric and just kind of cozy. Like it's the perfect read to be in bed and just curl up and get lost in one of her books and they're she, set in London. So I was going to say, I was about to ask, does she mainly set them in the British Isles or? Um, I mean, mainly she does like her main character is a distant member of the Royal family. And so she travels quite a bit and she'll visit other Royals. And it's really fun because she kind of pops into different world events. So they did one um, where she was surrounded by like a, a lot of German officers and you knew you were on the cusp of World War II. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of got to see like a little bit um, of backdrop because they have members of the royal family that make appearances as well. 
So yeah, it's kind of like the crown, I guess, if you like that sort of thing. Um, I do. Yeah, I've had she's. Her, I've had her on my TBR list for forever, and I, ah, I need to bump that up. Okay, that sounds I really admit, good. I, I I had like a period of time, like everyone else in 2016, when I was a little bit uh, down, and I needed to pick me up, and I read um, her series, and like I just binged the whole thing, and it was like the greatest gift to you know just have something like so just charming and engaging to to be able to read that sounds perfect especially for the upcoming fall days which is yes. hard for me to imagine <laughs> in august in texas but um yeah i normally love like british set things where they're all just like well what you need is a good cup of tea mm-hmm. <laughs> and i agree i'm sorry i interrupted <laughs> oh no no the... <laughs> Um, is there a book or genre that people would be surprised that you like? Um, I don't really think so. I mean, I pretty much read everything. I don't read a ton of sci-fi because honestly, I don't know what it is, but I have a really hard time like wrapping my brain around certain things. (laughs) Like I'm very literal. And so I think sometimes with sci-fi, like I can't quite get a grasp on like a sense of time and place enough um, to really get into the story. And there are definitely exceptions like Cassandra Rose Clark writes really good sci-fi that I've been able to really enjoy. Um, And I don't read a lot of horror because I probably just would scare too much. Um, But beyond that, I, I pretty much like to read everything else. Cool. Well, are you ready for the women with books lightning round? I am. Yes. Okay. Have you um, cheated and looked up the answers? I haven't actually, but now, now I'm thinking I should have. That's what you're going back to about me being a little bit frazzled this month. I really should have done that. Sorry. No, it's fine. Um, all right. It's, this isn't, this is just fun. So just spit out whatever is the okay. thing that comes to your mind. It doesn't even have to be short. It, we take long answers too, because okay. we're off. I, I talk to authors. We have lots of words. That's very right. true. Dark or milk chocolate? Milk. Coffee or tea? Coffee. When your phone rings, do you answer it? Not really. <laughs> Depends on who's on caller ID. I, I screen. <laughs> I will admit that. I know. If it's your editor, yes. Yeah. Because <laughs> Reese might be on the other line. <laughs> um, how do you normally waste time on the internet? Oh, my gosh. Um, probably chatting with friends or reading about reality TV. Oh, what's your site for reading about reality TV? Um, I go to reality tea a lot. So, and yeah. like sometimes I'll just Google. I have like my favorite shows that I watch. So, yes, they draw me in. It's a really good time waster there. Okay, on your next vacation, will it be to the mountains or the beach? The beach. Do you call it soda or pop? Soda. On a romance hero, do you prefer his six pack abs, his forearms or a chiseled jaw Ooh, um i'm really i'll be honest i'm more of a personality girl but i will go with uh i'll go with jaw okay are you more likely to buy a book cover with abs on it or a beach scene um i think depends on my mood (laughs) and the very important and last question what are your feelings about turning to the last page of a book first oh definitely not for me <laughs> no, I don't want to be spoiled. No, I understand that, but again, I've had some people tell me that they do it. And yeah, I'm fascinated by that. No, I've heard that is pretty common. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just have a hard time with that. I, I can see why you would do it, but I, I don't. I don't think that's for me. 
Well, Chanel, thank you so much for being on this episode. I'm really, really pleased that the recognition of this awesome book, I mean, that your awesome book is getting recognition. Thank you. And um, thank you for bringing this beautiful story to us. And I cannot wait for the next installments. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me today. And thanks for reading the book. I really appreciate it. Now get back to writing. Yes, I need to. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for joining us today. I started this podcast so I could have the conversations I wanted to have about books. And by listening, you're part of the conversation too. Contact me on our Facebook page or on any of my social media accounts at Lindsay Emery if you want to talk some more or sign up for my fantastic newsletter. And please leave me a review. It helps other listeners and readers find us. Five stars if you love books. Thanks and keep reading.